like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes Views and Brews Show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers. Hey everyone, hope you're having a wonderful Monday night. Welcome on in to Hubes Views and Brews. We do it on most Monday nights right here on the 1252 Sports Network. Um, Fat Mike will join me in a couple minutes. Also have Eric Schmidt from Orange and Brew. Mike and I were out there a couple weeks ago and uh, had a nice little time with a free throw shooting contest. Yeah, I'll bring that up even though I went three for ten. Eric will talk to us about Orange and Brew, about some of the stuff going on and coming up there. Uh, it's about time to get outside, see if the uh, chairs and tables are out. We had one nice day over the weekend, um, almost 80 degrees, and then um, it's back down to the 50s, which is okay. I never complain. I've mentioned over and over and over again. I live in the Chicagoland area. I know what the weather's like. I can, I, My opinion, you can only complain one way or another. You can't complain both, so I never, ever complain when it's too cold. Because I can wear a jacket, I can go inside, I can turn the heat on. I do complain when it's too hot. I don't like sweating. And I've done a lot of that as I'm start. I'm trying to pack up the house in um, expectation of my move to uh, Lockport. Linda and I are getting closer to moving uh, out to Lockport. And uh, all these signs will be down. I'm not sure what the background's going to look like when I get into the new place. Because it's going to take a while to put everything together. Uh, especially in the basement, but uh, we'll figure it all out as we go along. If you're a Chicago sports fan, and I think you would be, you know, unless you're a beer fan and just want to listen to me talk sports for a couple minutes, um, what a horse crap weekend and a whole awful week if you're a White Sox fan. And because of that, and before we get into it, because of that, um, I've decided that I'm going to break open one of the Bourbon County Stouts, okay? This is a proprietor's Bourbon County Stout. Those who are watching, you can see on 2016 is the year. Now, it's a little bit older, a 2016. It's made with maple syrup, chipotle peppers, and cocoa nibs, okay? 13.1 alcohol by volume. And again, for those who don't quite understand that, a Miller Lite or a Bud Light or a Coors Light is like 4.2. A Guinness is like 4.1, almost 4.2. Um, so this is like extremely high-powered. And I need it after watching some awful, god-awful White Sox baseball over the last week. Well, the, the Cubs haven't been much better. They did have, an, you know, the sun was out and uh, their guns were out on uh, Saturday as they put up 21 runs in the one win they had against Pittsburgh. This stuff pours amazing. Anybody that knows proprietors and, and sees me pouring an entire glass of proprietors, okay, this is um, this is going to be all I will be able to enjoy tonight um, because it's really, really tasty. It's really good. Um, says brewed with immense gratitude for our hometown. Yeah, it's one pint. Point, so 1.9 pints. Woo! Let's taste it. Mm. 
Oh, they should have given all the White Sox this on the plane. When they landed back in Chicago, the short flight from Minnesota, they could have all been drunk. And um, it does say that the beer will develops in the bottle up to five years. Now, it's got a little taste to it. That could be the chipotle peppers or the cocoa nibs. It doesn't taste bad. It just tastes a little different. But when you get chipotle peppers into a beer, I'm not the kind of guy. I'm not like Carmen. I was watching Mike's podcast last week. I'm not like uh, Carmen DeFalco from ESPN 1000. I can't tell you. Oh, I, I smell the... I can smell the cocoa nibs, the chipotle peppers. There's there's five of them. You know, I, I'm not like that. I just taste it, and if it tastes good, I drink it. So because it's 13.1, we'll see how we go and how I go through the course of the show. Um, lots to get to, and for this, I want to bring in my guy, Fat Mike, because uh, he and I were going back and forth with some bad baseball comments all throughout the weekend on our uh, text chats. Um, Mike, what's going on? What's going on, Fred? Thanks for having me back again. I appreciate it. Uh, I love I love talking with you. You and I, uh, something I want to get to before, and I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do, because when you were getting ready for your fantasy drafts, you kept telling me who you got. Right. And I'm watching MLB Central today, and they did an entire feature on Ty France. Kid's awesome. Kid can he, hit, man. He's eight for his last 11. He's... Um, He's just an amazing player. The Mariners have won eight of their last ten. Um, and, yeah, he's um, he's playing really, really well for Seattle. And it's funny because Seattle is a team you don't really – you forget about them. Start of the right. season, you see them, you watch them, they're in there, and then all of a sudden it seems they fade away. But uh, I saw your guy Ty France just muscling up. They said uh, – Mark DeRosa did a whole thing on him today. And he mm-hmm. said in the minor leagues in El Paso in 2019, before he got when he was still playing for the in the Padres organization, mm-hmm. in El Paso, his minor league season he hit 399. Yeah, he he's a dude. Like he he's unbelievable. Guy, he, the best thing about him too is the one thing I absolutely love about him. Honestly, is that he plays multiple positions. Mm-hmm. I have him on multiple teams. I'm in like I don't know four, four I think four fantasy leagues. And the, the only league that I don't have him in is the one that I really want him in, but I'm not giving up too much to get him. But uh, he plays first base, second base, third base, guy, and he just rakes. I mean, he just he just he yeah. can find the ball, and especially right now, the ball looks like a beach ball to him. So I mean, he's hitting the cover yeah. off the ball, and he's also playing at first base. I mean, the the Mariners had drafted a guy. I want to say his name's Evan White uh, that they drafted a couple of years ago, a guy that they were hoping to be their first baseman. And now they got France there, and it's just like they're going to leave them there and figure it all out. And they made a nice deal with bringing over Jesse Winker and Suarez from yep. the Reds after the Reds just emptied everybody in the offseason. So the Mariners are going to be a fun team to watch during the, thing, the course the of the year. That, the thing I really like about that Ty France is he, the best player, His his in my eyes, his best comp is DJ LeMahieu. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think his ceiling's much, much higher than DJ LeMahieu's is. I mean, but DJ LeMahieu does the same exact thing. First, second base, third base, shortstop. You can play that guy anywhere, and he still hits for average, 26 homers, 85 yeah. RBIs, and 280, 290 batting average. But Ty France has a little more contact capability. He's going to be a 305 guy this year, I'm hoping. Anyways, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, well, DJ LeMahieu and Murph and I used to always talk about it. We never let it go, and Cub fans would get so pissed at us. 
but uh, he was a Cub draft pick, and they traded him for Ian yep. Stewart. Yep. Who, um, Ian Stewart. Yeah. yeah, the injured Ian, Ian Stewart. Stewart. Not not one of the not one of the deals that uh, you know uh, the savior is going to be remembered for. Right. The, you can't. Uh, and the other thing too, the Cubs should know that you can never trust a guy with two first names as his full name. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like Carl Salesman 101. Use Carl Salesman 101. You know? yeah, 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 Ian Stewart. So before I get into how bad the White Sox were, I want to talk about some good stuff. Okay. And Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit over the weekend against Colorado. He wanted to do it at home. And everybody seems to love this guy. He's a, he's a, he's a fun guy on the team. Um, his very first hit was a home run to dead center field, and Ozzie Gein was a third base coach as he was rounding the bases for the uh, Florida Marlins at the time, now the Miami Marlins. He's got 3,000 hits and 502 homers. Only seven players in the game have done that so far. Rafi Palmero, one of them. Mm -hmm. But he is an average over 300. Only yes. two other baseball players have done that. Yes. Um, Mays and Aaron. Not bad company for a Miguel Cabrera. Not bad company at all. And all the while, too, now, now his resume sits 3,000 hits, 500 homers. He's also the last person to win a Triple Crown. Yep. Um, uh, that's an amazing feat in itself. The last time before that, I want to say it was Yaz, correct? It was Yaz uh, in 67. Oh, yeah, 67, I think, yeah. All right, so, I mean, yeah. that was a big span in between that. But the, uh, the guy has also multiple gold gloves underneath his belt as well at third base and first base. He is a shoeing for the Hall of Fame. Now, Fred, I, I do I do have a question to ask ask here because on the day that he got his three thousandth hit, I, again I was sitting up there chatting with 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 our, our mutual friend Paul and chatting with my 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 younger brother Trevor. Do you ever do you see a player ever again recording three thousand hits? Probably not. I don't see anybody playing that long. Guys will have long contracts, uh, but I don't see them playing that long. Um, the only record that, that will never be broken is Ripken's um, consecutive yeah, games. Yeah, the Iron Man. Yeah, that's never yeah. going to happen. But I don't, I don't see anybody reaching it. I don't know who's the closest. I haven't looked at it. Who's, you know, who's the next? There's closest. not many guys. I mean, the, the guys that are there are old and just, just they're just old. Yeah, yeah, for, right. for baseball. But I mean, th there is a great crop of talent coming up in today's class. Like, look at Juan Soto. If he stays healthy, he's a guy that could possibly do it. You know, guys like. Acuna, he's a guy that could possibly do it. Tatis, if he ever stays healthy, could possibly do it. There's a bunch of young talent out there that could possibly do it. And that's it was it was a, it was actually an intriguing question and a very good debatable question to see if anybody thought so. Well, the one thing is, uh, to be honest, for most of his career, Cabrera has been relatively healthy. Yeah, so yeah. he's been pretty healthy. So he's always been out there. He just rakes, and he's just a natural hitter. He goes the other way all the time. When he was facing the White Sox, he would always be bouncing them off that right center field wall, no matter if it was on the south side here or in Detroit. And um, he's one heck of a player. He goes the other way really, really well. They, they were showing on MLB Central, um, and at bat he had against Roger Clemens. It was supposed to be Clemens' last start, I think, as a Yankee. I think it was a Yankee. Um, and he throws one inside to Cabrera, and Cabrera just kind of looks at him. And then he throws another pitch, and Cabrera puts it in a right field stance. And right, and that, but if you if you look at that entire at bat, it's like a seven pitch, eight pitch at bat. Yeah, that Mickey fouls off a couple really tough ass sinker balls. Yep. I don't even know if it was a sinker, maybe a slider that Clemens was throwing there. Fouls him off towards the first base side, and then he battles back, and then you like you said goes Oppo for a homer, and it's like wow, 
Yeah. Like you knew and, then. I mean, you knew that playoff that Miggy was going to be something. You know, yeah. that, that playoff when he first came up with the Marlins. It's like, who the f- who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? You also, I mean, there were people in the Chicago area that knew him because he played at Kane County. And Charles Johnson, the catcher, yes. played at Kane County. I used to go to Kane County games and watch those guys play. Me too. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. And was it was so kid. much fun watching these guys play. And then seeing them get to the big leagues, and um, I've always I've always had fun watching uh, high school basketball players play, and then get into the NBA, you know, college ball, and then the NBA. Having watched Isaiah and you know tons and tons of players, now Jalen Brunson, who's lighting it up um, Man, in the NBA unreal. playoffs. Yeah, he's and then what kid too? Yeah, right. Having watched him at Stevenson, and uh, you know, Randy Merkin's been big on him ever since. You know, because Merck's kids go to go to Stevenson. And it's right in the area. But, uh, yeah, congrats to Miguel Cabrera. And um, something that Mark DeRosa said today, which I got, was laughing about, and he didn't expand on it. But they asked, uh, they started the show, and Lauren Shahadi's just a, like a sweetie. What, a, what an awesome what an awesome name, right. Shahadi. I mean, yeah. she had no doubt. Yeah, she's very hot. So for sure. they always start the show on Monday about how was your weekend. Mm-hmm. And Robert Flores went on, and he was talking, and, Lauren Shahadi said something. And Mark DeRosa just said, my weekend. He goes, travel baseball parents. They're ruining it for everyone. He goes, but that's all right. He goes, all their kids are going to the big leagues. I got to understand that. Right. And you could tell he was restricting himself. So when we get Eric on, I know Eric's son plays ball. I know Eric has traveled some with, uh, and I'm not going to have Eric call out other parents, but uh, <laughs> we'll have some fun with that. When we get Eric on in just a little bit. Okay, now to the White Sox because oh. I, Jesus, I I made a bet the I made a bet on um, Saturday. I picked five teams just to win games. I picked the Cubs. They won twenty one to nothing. Um, I thought I was going to win four of the five. It turns out I only won three, so it didn't matter much. But the White Sox on Saturday have a have a lead, and then they're throwing the ball all over the infield in the eighth inning. Tim Anderson makes a bad throw. Jose uh, Abreu throws to home, which he shouldn't have. He just held the ball. There's got to be a guy out there, a leader, that says, hold the ball, don't throw, do this. And they lose the game. Um, Then, actually, that might have been on Friday, because on Saturday they got blown out 9-2. And then yesterday, yesterday is just, it's so damn bad. Um, Aaron Bummer. And... Our guest from last week, Courtney Finnicum knows yes. when Aaron Bummer comes in, it's time to start drinking. If you're not drinking before Aaron Bummer comes in, <laughs> when Aaron Bummer comes in, it's time to start drinking. And Steve Stone pointed it out. Aaron Bummer cannot throw a first pitch strike. Yeah, no, yeah, he cannot. And I mentioned it last week with Courtney. If you are facing Aaron Bummer, you don't need a bat to go to the plate with. <laughs> because he's not going to throw, he's not going to throw three pitches over the plate before he walks you. Because uh, his ball is a—he's got a slider that's going to come into the right-handers, and it's brutal. He just—what happened? He went one inning the other day, uh, yesterday, blown save. The Sox had a lead. Uh, he gives up one hit. That was the Buxton two-run homer. He walked two guys. Okay. You can't walk people if you're a, if you're a guy out of the bullpen. Right. Walking people. Now, Graveman yesterday walked three. But for the most part, Graveman's pitched pretty well. Yeah, um, pretty solid. Yeah. And, and when, he, when he wasn't, when he gave up a hit, 
he called himself out. He said, listen, that game was on me. And I think right. that was the game the other day on, on Friday when they lost two to one. And he said, listen, that was on me. He said, I had a guy and I gave him a, I threw a bad pitch and I got hit and it shouldn't have even happened. But Graven pitched well. And Hendricks comes in. It's funny. I put K Hendricks instead of Liam Hendricks. I put <laughs> K Hendricks in my notes. So Liam Hendricks comes in and he gets, he gets out of the ninth inning. Then they go to 10 innings and what the first or second batter in that 10th uh, inning, Yasmani Grandal gets the ball, and he flips it back to the mound, and and Hendricks has to do make like an acrobatic move to catch the right. ball, and you see he there's guys something. on base. Like, yes, it's, it's, yes. You know, the thing that drives me nuts, and you can, you can bring this up to Eric, too, it's the little things that are important. It's the things that you do all the time the right way that matter, especially when you guys got – especially when there are guys on second and third, or what is it, first and third at that point. Yeah. You guys on first and third – and you're going to throw a ball like that back to the mound, you could have tied That's the brutal. game like that. Can you imagine yeah. if that was how the Twins tied the game yesterday? Not yeah. won the game, but tied the game. And it was it was a, it was a game where we the Sox fans got Lucas Giolito back, and he went four innings. I was listening to the game on the radio when I was driving around. They thought he was going to leave after three. He went out there for the fourth. He gave up four hits, a run, three walks, nine strikeouts over four That's innings. Good. He looked good. His, his changeup looked good. He was striking people out. Um, but and then their bullpen, this Tanner Banks. Nobody knows who this kid is. He's 30 years old. He's given up one hit in 10 innings of relief um as a 30-year-old. Lopez pitched well, and Graveman, as I mentioned. But the two guys the White Sox count on, Bummer and Hendricks, are pitching like crap. Now, right. a lot of people, a lot of the people will say, Well, you'll all forget about this when he pitched they pitch well during the year. Said, so, you know what? I'm sure we will. But when you have injuries to Eli, Robert, Moncada, Lynn, Crochet, Kelly, you got to fucking get some wins. Right. You can't be losing these games. The Sox were 6-3 and three when we talked last week. Right. Last week they were 6-3. and three. They had lost the last game. So they were 6-2, and two, lost the game on Sunday to Seattle. Yes. They go to Cleveland and they go to Minnesota. They yes. lose six more. So they've seven. lost seven straight games. Seven well, straight they, games. They, right. They lost Sunday. So then they've lost six on the road trip. So they've lost seven total games. And now they come home and play Kansas City, a team that's young. Fuck, Salvi Perez will hit four homers in the next couple of days. There's no doubt about it. Then right. you got the Angels and Otani and Trout coming to town. Joe Madden will be here. It's, and it's not going to be much easier. The Sox are in some trouble here because especially coming up at the beginning of May, they're starting off against a pretty hot team in Boston. That's not going to be an easy series. And like you said, these opponents in the next couple of months when they're losing Eloy, depending on how long Luis Robert is out, has there been a timetable set on his groin? I mean, has there been? Yeah, it's a, it's a hammy for Luis. I'm sorry, for Robert, they expect him back in a couple days. Okay. okay. For right. Eloy, Eloy, six, six to eight, eight weeks. weeks. Yeah, six to eight right. weeks for Eloy. I mean, these are big things, and you can't – I have never – I don't remember, besides last year's Sox team, a team with <laughs> yeah. so much potential where all their superstars are injured within, with seriously, within I know. two weeks of the season. Like, what it's, the hell happened here? Yeah, and it's funny, kid, too, because they keep mentioning Joe Kelly. White, most White Sox, I, I would say more than 50% of White Sox fans have no idea that Joe Kelly's on the White Sox. Because yeah, they didn't see I'm him. not even a Sox fan, and I know he's on the White Sox. I think no, but awesome. what I mean is you, right. you didn't see him in the spring. Right. You haven't seen him yet. 
So when Joe right. Kelly goes out there, it's going to be, hey, who the hell's this guy? Right. Joe Kelly, this is great. Uh, another guy to the bullpen. And it's going to change to, because after, I think it's May 2nd, they go from 28 guys to 26 people on the team and only 13 pitchers. So right. it'll be interesting to see what the White Sox do and how they work that out. Uh, obviously, Garrett Crochet is a big loss. Um, you know, it would be nice if he was there. But it's funny. We, we knew, you would ask me, I think, a couple weeks ago about Zach Collins and Reese, and Reese McGuire. Yes. You can see how much the White Sox love Reese McGuire because he catches probably five out of the seven days right. because he can throw the ball. He, he catches the ball. He, he stops the ball pitch. in the dirt. He can frame. He's all. He does all the things that a catcher is supposed to do, unlike right. Yasmani Grandal. And, right. um, you know, I, I'm happy about that. How many times, and this is the thing, okay, like everybody rants and raves about how great Yosemite Grandal is, yeah. right? And you and I are in the same boat here where this guy yeah. couldn't, catch a, couldn't catch fucking water if he fell out of a boat. All right, like let's be real here. That's that's legit. Um, but he gets on base. And, yes, his on-base percentage is high. His batting average is, I mean, trash. All right, but, yes, what he does at the plate is good. But then once he's on base, he clogs that said base. Plain and simple. He doesn't move. He's slower. He's slower. Than cold than molasses on a cold day. Listen, right? like, even in even in MLB the show, I think I don't have this year's. I didn't get the Otani one yet. But right. last year, he's the slowest man of any of the players. He's the slowest guy of right. any of the guys in MLB the show. He's like right. this, and you don't you want you don't want him on base. You want him getting the big hit. Now, granted, he did get a hit the other day to drive in the run in the top of the tenth inning. Yeah, exactly. It's about time. It's about time he did something. And then what's he do? He goes out and makes the bad throw to uh, Hendricks, and he sweeps his back. Right, exactly. But this is the thing. Yosemite Grandal is not that player that you need. So, guys, you you and I were talking a few weeks ago when we were live at Orange and Brew. Yeah, you can't win the World Series in April or May, but you sure as hell can lose the playoffs in April or May. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's what this boils down to. With With all this big deal of injuries, and you're still sitting there trotting out Yosemite Grandal. You got to be kidding me. There's a reason why guys like Reese McGuire, right? Yeah. Who are good defensively. All right. You look at all the that's that's the point I was trying to make here. Look at all the playoff teams in the years past here that have won the World Series, made the playoffs, yada yada yada. Martin Maldonado. Right. That's all I have to say. Yeah. He literally bats 0.87 on the year. And the Astros win the World Series. Yeah. Look at Brad Osmus years ago, Jason Veritek years ago. There's a reason why those guys are on those teams because they know how to fucking catch. They know how they know their position. Jason yep. Veritek and Martin Maldonado and uh Brad Osmus weren't throwing guys out left and right. And they also weren't putting up 300 averages in belt in 20 a year. No, they right? knew how to catch. Yeah. They know how to catch and they know how to manage a pitching staff correctly. And that's something that I think is off with Yosemite Grandal. You yeah. need a guy that can just sit back behind the plate, pop his fat ass back there, manage your pitching staff from all of your starters to all of your bullpen guys. Know them like a science book. Know them like the back of their hand and do their job. Yeah. That's actually, where I see the biggest difference with this White Sox team right now and why Reese McGuire's 10 times out of 10, I would take him back. Behind the plate over Yo's money grand. And unfortunately, I watched a lot of White Sox baseball this weekend. And I think the reason the runners were at second and third in the tenth inning and 
LaRusa decided, you know, the reason they were there is because there was a ball in the dirt from Hendricks and it got away from Grandal. It may not have gotten away from Reese McGuire. So that's all I can say. And, you know, and, and I, I know everyone's, everyone hates LaRusa. I was, I was right there in the bandwagon, but Buxton had struck out three times in the game yesterday. Um, it was three, it was a three, one count. Hendricks tried to get him. He threw high heat and he put it 485 feet away into the third deck at target field. So, you know, Buxton's one hell of a player. Unfortunately for the Sox fans, he's healthy right now. The twins are eight and eight, but they have a, a half game lead over Cleveland. Uh, Sox and Detroit are a game and a half back. Kansas city is, um, two back. So it's interesting. Uh, it'll be an interesting division because Detroit's pumped be. up. Yeah, it's definitely it's going, going to be. be. I mean, and listen, I'm not counting out the way I've seen the Twins play. If Byron Buxton can finally put together yeah. a healthy year, yeah, that Twins team's not going to be a slouch either. No, with and, Polanco, uh, we all know that, yeah, we all know that the Royals are going to be, you know, in the bottom of the basement. All right, we all know that they're probably going to win probably 70, 75 games. Detroit looks good. Detroit looks yeah. pretty solid. That young pitching is actually starting to show. That uh, it's that really good. Name. Ty, Tyler Scoobal. Tyler, Scoobal. Ty. You got Scoobal. You got Manning. You got uh, Casey Mize. You got some yeah. good pitchers on that team. And, yeah. and still managed by one of the guys who know a manager who knows how to manage a pitching staff, right? And AJ Hinch. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's like, wow, watch out for that team. That team could be something. So the Saxon get Kansas City, they get the LA Angels coming in. The Cubs lost three out of four to the Pirates. Now, I didn't realize they lost three out of four because everybody got so excited about the 21 to nothing win, including me. I mean, because it was like, well, it was 10 nothing after two. And um, on Saturday, it was gorgeous out, 80 degrees. The bleachers were full. Everybody was having fun. Um, but yeah, they, they, they lost three out of four to the Pirates. The Cubs now get Atlanta. They go to Atlanta and they go to Milwaukee. Not going to be an easy uh, week for the, for the Northsiders coming up. No, not at all. Listen, but the one thing I will say about this, although the Cubs did drop three or four to the, I mean the the quad A team of the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> all right, I mean literally, there's nobody on that team. I don't even know. I don't even understand. Um, twenty one runs scored on Saturday. Yep. Fun fact of the week. I I I blast this all over social media. Fun fact of the week. The Chicago Cubs put up more runs on Saturday, 21, than the Chicago Bears put up points in 10 of their games last season. Fun fact of the week. I don't know whether to – I'm a Cub fan. You see all my Cub stuff yes, back here. And all I do. Stuff. I do. I don't know whether to be impressed or ready to tie a noose from my ceiling fan and let my wife find me in the morning just sitting there swinging around. Like, seriously. I don't. I, I honestly – I don't know whether to be happy or completely, absolutely in utter, de in utter depression mode. I, I actually, I think I actually told your dad at your wedding that I knew you were a Cub fan when he told me he was a Cub fan. I said, now, now I understand yeah. because, because yeah, I mean, you're always a fan of whoever your dad's a fan of. Usually right. every right. once in a while people go off and, but uh, my dad was a Sox fan. I'm a Sox fan. Your dad's a Cub fan. You're a Cub fan. Um, the Sox and Cubs play each other next week. So, I know. I know. Yeah. So we'll 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 be talk because both teams suck right now. So exactly, exactly. It's a, so we'll, it's a fried we'll bologna sandwich at this point. Let's see what happens. Uh, fried bologna sandwiches are not all that bad. Okay, really quickly, a couple other things. The draft is coming up this week, and you know yeah. what? Because I retired in January, and it's funny because 
every time I mention it, there's every once in a while, there's a person that says, oh, you're retired? I, I didn't hear because I mentioned it all the time. But I'm, I'm looking through all my stuff. And I was telling you before the show that I'm looking and I'm finding things. And it says, you know, uh, newspaper articles saying that the score is going to go 24 hours. And Murph and Fred are, I mean, yeah, Murph and Fred are going to be in the evenings and all this kind of stuff. Then I find uh, three pages of, of uh, notes after I got fired and let go. And after 16 years of the score in 2008, they let me go. And I get all these people go, oh, what a shame. I, you know, Fred always sounded like a good guy. Then I get the guy to go, I can't believe he met in 16 years. He never sounded like he knew what the fuck he was talking about. And all the, <laughs> so it's funny. You always get put in your place with all these kind of uh, things and people. But because I'm retired and the Bears don't have a first-round pick and I'm a Niners fan and all they're talking about is trading Debo Samuel, who has a contract for this year. Right. <sighs> I'm so aggravated. I know Josh Nelson, who we had last week, is a big Niners fan, too. The guy has a contract. When did it stop that contracts were actually, you know, you followed contracts? People say, listen, front offices cut players. Hey, the NFL Players Association years ago decided to agree to a collective bargaining agreement that makes it okay for the front office to get rid of players and for them to stop their contracts. It's not. You know, it's not the front office's fault. They're playing by the rules. Right. Now, I'm not a front office guy, but, you know, Debo, you could go somewhere else and play like crap. You're in a, you're in a situation where you got a guy like Kyle Shanahan calling plays. You should want to play your next year, then get out. Yes, yes. And that, that that's the thing. It, okay. This whole Debo Samuel thing, I know it's draft week and all that other stuff. It's just, it's crazy, right? Um, this Debo Samuel stuff blows my mind. He is in the most opportunistic op- – what's the word I'm looking for? Opportunistic. Opportunistic situation that he could possibly be in. Kyle Shanahan loves him. Brennan yes. Ayuk is a great glaring piece off of Brennan, off of uh, Debo Samuel. Kittle is a great piece of that offense. Yes, he is. They use, they use Debo Samuel to do everything. What makes him think they're, a, a coach is going to bring him in and be like, okay, hey, now you're in New Orleans? Yeah, you're not running that same system, Debo. No, you better be no. learning how to. You better be learning how to catch passes on the outside. You know, like they're not going to run you. They're not going to hand the ball off to you. No, they're listen, not get you in the flat like that. If you, if you, I, I have not listened, but if you listen to ESPN 1000 from 10 until 12, the odds are you're going to hear Greeny. Talk about how the Jets need Debo Samuel. What is Debo going to do going to now? Making money is one thing, but they still tell me that the ring means something. Okay, yeah. he's not getting a ring in New York. No, he could get a ring in San Francisco. Yes, they've been close. Okay, they could have beat the Rams last year. Who knows what could have happened if they would have won their game in the playoffs with the Rams? But um, yeah, I will see what happens. The Bears have no first round pick. Two mm-hmm. seconds, a third, two fifths, a sixth. The first round of the draft for me is going to be I don't I don't care. Um, as a Niners fan, I don't care. I think they obviously they have a late round, a later pick in the first right. round. Uh, I'll just be interested to see um, if Debo goes anywhere and if they actually make the deal. But John Lynch came out and said, "Listen, why would we move him? Right. He's he's a player we want to keep." 
So yeah, watch watch him do that type of bullshit that Le'Veon Bell did, where he'll sit out the year and yeah. Oh yada, God! Yada. Like, I don't think he's been around way. long enough to do that. You know what I mean? Le'Veon Bell was around long enough. Debo's been. This is his fourth year in the league. That's why his contract. This is his fourth year. His last year. Right. In 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 the league, he's got a four point five million dollar contract. I think for this year, and he knows if he plays for the Niners. Like you said, Shanahan's going to hand him the ball, throw mm-hmm. him the ball, let he's him return. The punts. He's, the, he's the catalyst of that offense. And when yeah. it comes, it comes through Debo. Yeah, he does all that stuff. You know. Um, so the, the draft comes up. The Bears have signed a lot of players in the offseason. We expect them to be bad anyway. Uh, when the Bears season comes up on 1252, we're going to be doing a lot of Bears stuff, probably pregame shows, that probably nausea. postgame shows. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, we'll be drinking a lot during the games because we'll need to. Yeah, we'll probably be at Nick and Ivy drinking before and during and after the games. Yes. Uh, And and, and and speaking of drinking, the Bulls are down three to one. And (laughs) I didn't expect them to beat um, Milwaukee, but I can't watch Giannis because every time he drives the lane, it's a foul. I mean, he just shoves people, he elbows people, he shoulders people. I understand he's getting by with what he they allow him to do, but my God. And I don't watch the NBA. I only watch the Bulls games. But my Lord. See, I like, I like Giannis. And I, no. I've never seen – I mean, I really like Giannis. Listen, um, as long as they let him do what he wants – I mean, basically, how many – he's had – I know he had six coming into yesterday, and I think he had two or three offensive. That's that's nine offensive foul calls in four games. That's yeah. crazy, and he could have yeah. been called for more. Oh yeah, definitely for sure. The one thing, I, the one thing I will say about Giannis is this. Now I don't watch a lot of professional basketball. I'm not going to say that I do and sit here and say that I'm an NBA homer because I'm not. I am not at all. I like watching the NCAA tournament, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I like watching when the teams in here that don't build a super three or a big three, whatever the hell they call it. I like watching those teams advance and win. Okay. Giannis is an unbelievable athlete. He yeah, is, he is. He, like the, 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 the term, his nickname, the Greek freak does not supersede him by any, any amount whatsoever. He is no. that person. He is seven foot tall. He is that yeah. strong. He made himself that strong. He built his body to where he can be a legit like killer in the NBA. Yeah. The first two steps that he has driving the paint and driving the lane are the best two steps I've ever seen in my life watching yeah. basketball. Yeah. He is that strong. He is, I mean, his first two steps, not only are they strong and quick and fast to the basket. But it also covers twenty-one fucking feet of floor. Right? I know. I mean, he, I mean, he goes from the three-point line to a, a dunk in two strides. He is that good. He is unbelievable. Yeah, I love Giannis. To me, he is the best player in the NBA and has been the last two years. Yeah, and you know what? He's got guys who can shoot the outside shot. Uh, Bobby Portis, who the Bulls got moved a couple of years ago, playing really well for the Bucks right yeah. now. Grayson Allen, who nobody likes, he's an he's an ass. He's a uh, He's a bad guy. He's a thug, as uh, like Michael Wilbon called him. Michael like Wilbon called him a thug today. But you know what? He scored 22 and 27 points. He hits the three. And Milwaukee is always able to kick it outside to a guy that can hit threes. They got yeah. Connaughton, kid that went and was a, could have been a pitcher in the big leagues. He went, he played ball at Notre Dame with my my buddy Steve Gigailo's son, Eric, uh, and with Trey Mancini over at Notre Dame. 
Connaughton was there and he was on the pitching staff, but he decided to play basketball. Not often do you see a tall white guy decide to go basketball instead of baseball. Connaughton did. It's paid off. He's got it. He's got a ring for an NBA championship. And um, yeah, and he can hit his outside shots. Um, so the Bulls play again Wednesday. The odds are it'll be pinch, over. In a pinch, you might throw a bullpen session for the Brewers. You know what? Maybe for the White Sox. Maybe they can bring him in for the, and throw some. You know what? Let's run a few spots. We got Eric. Eric sitting patiently in the uh, in our green room. We'll bring Eric from Orange and Brew on. We'll talk some beer. And uh, if you want to jump on and talk about what we did uh, a couple weeks ago, we'll be more than happy to do that when we start the uh, the next segment, Mike. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. Hi, this is Kathy O'Connell at Coach's Corner, located at 8118 West 143rd Street in Orland Park. Our phone number is 708-364-1026. We are Orland Park's number one sports bar. Come in for our wonderful beer menu and seltzers with a fully stocked bar. Watch a game, drink a beer, and try something off our amazing menu. We have everything to choose from, nachos, potato skins, and our house-made bar chips to start off with. Then try our tacos, burgers, and one of our delicious sandwiches. And don't leave without trying our famous jumbo wings. They do not disappoint. Coach's Corner, it will sure to become your local bar. Again, we are located at 8118 West 143rd Street in Orland Park. Come see us today.
Coach's Corner, a new sponsor here on 1252. And now that I saw it, I have been there. Two years ago, I was there for the NCAA tournament, the first day of the NCAA tournament. Great food, awesome beers, and uh, cannot wait to get back out there. Uh, I think Mike and I are doing something for the White Sox and Cubs game uh, at the end of May. So we'll have uh, a lot to get into and lots to talk about. Um, I always do beer segments and beer on the second half of the show. And a year ago, April 12th, 2021, I almost said 1921, and none of us were around. But then again, this is how much of the uh, of the Bourbon County Stout I have left. Um, in uh, 4-12-2021, we started this show, Hubes, Views, and Brews. And my first guest was Eric Schmidt from Orange and Brew. And today, Eric is joining us a little bit after the one-year anniversary. Eric, how are you tonight? Hi, Fred. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, I'm doing really well. I mean, 13.1, and I can't believe I'm going to finish this while we talk and while we chat. But I, um, I would have done this on location if you needed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 really tasty. I've got – I don't know why you got three from the 2021 20, year, but um, we'll figure that out. I'll enjoy those, I'm sure, sometime down the road. Um, <laughs> Mike and I were out at your place a couple of weeks ago. We had a great time. Uh, well, we had a great time until I shot free throws, and then I went three for ten, and the first three all missed. But I, I'm counting on three of seven because after the first three, I hit three of the next seven. So I thought that was okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, you beat me. I think I hit one that day, so it's all good. Yeah, it was a little windy, but it, it was a nice day to get out there, raise some money for uh, Tracy Abrams' uh, fund and a charity. And then for me and Mike to get a chance to sit down and talk to Dion Thomas, the guy that you know real well from your days in Illinois. But Dion is like one of the nicest guys we've ever talked to on our show. Nothing against you. But, I mean, he is an amazing, an amazing guy and so much fun to be with. And uh, it, was, it was a fun day and a fun afternoon. Yeah, it was. Deanne is a huge supporter of us. And um, doing the event for Tracy's charity, uh, uh, Chicago Positive Impact, was his idea, actually. Um, so, you know, Dion has really embraced the Illini part of our bar. He's been a good friend. Um, we reconnected when he moved back to Chicago after his professional career. Um, and it's it's been great to have him there. He just drops in occasionally and uh, just wants nothing in return. I mean, he really is one of the genuinely nicest guys that you're ever going to find. And also, the win did not impact him. I believe he hit 10 in a row with a beat oh, nice. his left hand, <laughs> shooting right-handed. So um, we can't really make any um, – can't say anything about the win. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I'm glad I wasn't out there to watch that because I would have been even more embarrassed than I, <laughs> I was. Wanna, I do want to say this: nobody witnessed me dunk on Dion Thomas, but that did happen. I just wanted to make that clear. Oh yeah, right now I did dunk on Dion, and I'm I'm gonna talk to him soon. Make him. Are you talking about a glass? Did you dunk something in a glass over him <laughs> or something? Oreos. I dunked Oreos in a, in a yeah. beer right out right outside of his his 19 <laughs> foot wingspan. Yeah. So funny story. I don't know if you guys were there yet, but or still, but or went outside. But somebody did challenge Dion to a game of horse at the end of it. It did not end well for for our friend Ashwin who did that. But uh, he had a great. I'm, yeah, have a story to tell his kids someday for sure. Sure, sure, a great story. Listen, before I get into more of the stuff that you're doing over at Orange and Brew, I just thought about this earlier this afternoon, and if I'm not mistaken, about a month or two ago, 
you and I have both done work at CN100. They stopped that, did they not? They did. Yeah, it's sad. Um, I, I had been there for, I mean, I, it was almost 20 years, actually. I was at CLTV before that for a little bit. I worked in Champaign and uh, 20 years as a freelancer for CN100. A lot of people work there. I mean, you were out at, you've, you've been to some of the games that we covered. Yeah. It's a full crew. I mean, it's like a 20 person crew. Some of those folks are full timers and, you know, our, our hearts bleed for those guys because they're, you know, out looking for real jobs. Some of whom have found them are for full-time jobs, I should say. And then um, there were a lot of freelancers who, you know, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to make up some of that, but I, I feel bad for those guys. And then a lot of the high school kids that we covered, yeah. Um, who used the video uh, that we did and the games that we did for recruiting. Uh, there were a lot of stories about kids that got college um, scholarships because of the film that they were able to put together from us. Sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it was great. And I love doing the stuff. I did a lot of uh, men's and women's uh, soccer and things like that. And it was it was wonderful going out in the field, talking to these kids. And uh, they were so excited. Uh, obviously not to talk to me, but they were excited to be playing in, in big games and stuff. And it was nice that they could then go watch him and things like that. Um, the last year and a half, two years have been tough. I mean, I had you on last year. We were in the midst of COVID. Uh, things have changed a lot since last year. Uh, you've been able to be open pretty much nonstop. And finally, people are not don't have to wear masks in your place. Have you seen more people coming in, more people relaxed, more people actually you know, coming in and enjoying the, their time at your place instead of being a little hesitant because of everybody else there. It's only been a year since we did this last. Good grief. Yeah. I think I've aged about 10 since then. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's a constant battle. I won't say battle, but it's a constant uh, reevaluation. Um, we're no different than any restaurant, bar, a lot of retail places, just trying to figure things out. Um, are there still people that are a little uncomfortable being groups? Of course. Um, are we trying to do everything we can to make people comfortable? Sure. Um, the weather that's about to change, hopefully at some point, right? It's yeah. a bit warmer. Yeah. We'll have the outside space open. We actually, the village just dropped off the barricade. So we will have, we've got five tables out there now. We'll have three more, hopefully by the end of the week. So anybody super uncomfortable with being inside can still do that. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to every day figure out what makes sense, uh, what keeps people healthy, what keeps people coming back. And, uh, as soon as you can figure it out, let me know because we yeah. certainly have it. Yeah. And, and you know, and you mentioned what keeps people coming back. And I had this for later on, but you've got to explain to me the natural light slushies. Okay. Because I, I went into craft beer because I didn't like drinking Miller Lite and I never <clears> drink <throat> Bud Light, but Miller Lite, Coors Light, things like that. And now, Natural light slushies are a big thing with not only you, but a lot of other uh, bottle sh bottle shops. I'd like to think we're in on the joke. Uh, I'm not quite <laughs> sure if we are, but I'd like to think that way. Uh, we were early adopters. Uh, so I'll tell the story. Um, it, it was kind of an accident, right? So our rep for them came in with uh, six different beers to sample. They weren't all just Natterdays. It was a distributor rep. It came in on like a Tuesday. Uh, pro tip, by the way, go into a bottle shop on a Tuesday afternoon because that's when all the reps come in with samples. So you're going to get a chance to try a bunch of things. There you um, go. But he brought in all these different things. We tried five different beers. And then the last one he's got, and it's in um, unmarked camp. He's all right. Yeah, I need your 
your honest opinion, guys, what do you guys think of this? And it was the, you know, the original strawberry lemonade. And he poured it out. Every single person at that bar said, yeah, I, I could drink this by the pool or, you know, golfing. Like, this is a great pounder. And then he pulled out the cell sheet that said it was natural light. And we all, like, everybody was like, are you kidding me? So uh, about two weeks later, I was at another uh, store and I saw a six pack of these. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to bring them on and I'm going to make sure sometimes people are just being polite. Oh yeah, it's great. Great. So, uh, I put them all in the cooler up front. We put them in a koozie and I, you know, when we get a group of people at the table, I'd open it up and here, try this. And every single person, same reaction. And I, you know, pull that can out of the koozie. Sure. Everybody felt, felt like, uh, like absolute crazy <laughs> people, but, um, it's worked for us. It was fun. Um, they are really, really good in the slushing machine. Um, they have a new flavor this year, uh, blueberry lemonade, which, uh, we tried the cans this week. We haven't put it in the machine yet. The machine will be going up in another week or two, but, um, I think that's going to be a winner in there too. And yeah, I, I feel like every time I pour a can in that thing, I, I, I might have to turn my craft beer card in at some point. My girlfriend, Linda, we go to the movie theater, and she always gets a slushy, so I got to bring her in just to get those, and uh, so I'm sure there's no doubt about it. She'll enjoy those. You, I mean, besides us, besides us being there in charity events, one of the big things for you, and years ago, I think I probably told you this last year, and I probably told you when I'm sitting there at the bar having a beer, but I had always thought I'd want to own a bar as I was growing up. I grew up in Cicero. There were bars in every corner, you know, and- Someone told you know, me they said a shows, as I recall. Yeah, well, that too. I but also grew up. Uh -huh. in yeah, they said. But people, so somebody told me the guy told me he said, "Listen, you don't want to own a bar. You want to own a you want to own a liquor store, so people can come in, buy the beer, and leave." Now you've got the best of both worlds, I think, because you've got they can come in, look around, have a beer, and then leave with more. Um, how have things gone? Because you've been doing this for a couple of years now. How how have things gone? Have they gone as expected? Obviously, COVID threw a, a big wrench into everything. But was is this gone the way you thought it would go when you first decided to do this? Uh, absolutely nothing has gone as, as expected. <laughs> uh, but that is mostly because of COVID, right? So right. you want a year right. under your belt to figure things out. And we had barely gotten that year in before COVID hit. So it was impossible for us to really have a baseline. Um, I can tell you though that, uh, you know, everything is up and down. Either uh, people are drinking at home. Now we're seeing more people coming out to your point about masks right. are gone. People are more comfortable. So now we're seeing the on-premise side pick up and less people drink at home. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of that is just so many options out there. I think people are looking at their beer fridges from the past year or two going, Oh my God, like what, I, like you're sitting there, you're cracking open a beer every week. Like you got to go through these things. Yep. yep. Um, I think we're seeing that, <clears throat> but um, to your point about owning a bar, I, I want to do, I do want to say something like about that because um, you know, I worked in the business in college uh, is how I kind of paid my way through school back then. Um, I got to do a little bit of it right after college uh, don't tell my news director in Champaign I was doing it. That was always our little secret. Um, and I never knew when somebody recognized me, I never knew it was because if it was from the bar or from TV, but you sure. from the bar. Um, but, I, you know, we really love what we like about what we've done here is the, the, the community we've built. Um, we have a great group of people who come in and I wouldn't even call them regulars. I mean, a lot of them are regulars. A lot of them we may see once a month, but we know names. They know our names. We know faces. Um, it's such a welcoming group that uh, I would never trade 
the on-premise part for anything right now because it's um, it's such a great place to be as far as that's concerned and such great people, especially in that Downers Grove area and in the craft beer community in general, um, that the interaction we get with those people as opposed to just walking up to the counter and buying a four pack is, is invaluable to what we've done and what we're trying to continue to create and do in Downers Grove. You, you talked about Tuesdays where the, the, you know, the guys come in and trying to show you the other beers. Are there new breweries out there distributing new stuff? And how do you decide what you want? Because you've got a set amount of things you can put up on the shelves. How do you decide? I mean, it's a lot. But still, you have a set amount. How do you decide? Does someone come in and say, listen, there's a new brewery here, there's a new brewery there? Or is it, you know, is it something that, you know, it's word of mouth thing? How do you decide all that stuff and what you have up there and who, who comes in? I would say there's very little science to it. It's mostly art at this point. Um, it's a combination. It's what what are our people that coming in that come in say if they've been to a brewery? Um, an example, Bubble House uh, down yep. the street in Lyle. They have not started to really distribute a whole lot. I know they've sent a couple of eggs out here and there, but when they come in, we'll definitely want to talk and help them because they're local. Um, our our friends and and guests go there, so they know those folks. Sure. Um, but I would tell a lot of, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of new breweries coming in. There's a, a couple of them here and there, but you're right. Like we have limited shelf space. Um, we want to make sure that what we bring in sells relatively quickly because it's going to be fresh. We're not going to let something sit on the shelf where it's past its code. Um, we want, you know, a good variety. We want the best quality and we want the things a lot of other places we, we do are uh, local. So who is nearby, like the Moors or the Black Horizons or the Pollyannas or the Whiskey Hills or the Skeleton Keys, and I'm leaving people out, Nick and Ivy, um, right. who is close enough that our folks are going to say, I really like that beer. I got to go check that place out. So what can we do to kind of raise the, the whole, you know, high tide raises all ships? How do you, um, if you bring a beer in from a place that's maybe lesser known, like afterthought is a different kind of place and afterthoughts in bottles all the time. Are, are there, are there times that you have to like, not have to, but you mentioned to people, have you tried this? Have you tried this brewery? Have you tried this? Because uh, people that come in looking for it, they may not have been to afterthought and they see bottles and it's probably a change for them. So afterthought's an interesting one. Uh, afterthought and is was is another brewery. They're two saison specific breweries that um, I think have a following. Like people that like that style, it's a kind of acquired style. They seek that out. But okay. other people will come in because they ask me or they ask our other bartenders who are all equally knowledgeable. Some of them probably more knowledgeable than me. Um, if somebody comes in and, you know, they'll, we've got questions we can ask, like, what, what do you like? Or we're, you know, if you, if you need a gift, like what kind of thing are you looking for? And we can kind of narrow flavor profiles down and somebody that says, ah, I kind of like sours or I like a nice crisp, you know, beer afterthoughts, a great example to say, here, try one of these and let us know what you think. Yeah. And you, you mentioned earlier in one of the earlier comments about uh, making sure that they beers aren't up there too long now a lot more people are making lagers like you have dovetail you have goldfinger you have others like that lagers are going to last longer on, i mean i'm sorry lagers are going to not last as long on your shelves as some of the stouts because the stouts will last a little bit longer if they're still there uh if people don't come in and buy them how do you go about getting rid of i mean things that may be out there for a little bit too long 
we're we're pretty good about looking through that shelf and saying, all right, eh, this one's been up here a month or so. IPAs in particular, right? Um, mm-hmm. and not that it's anywhere near out of code or not fresh anymore. But when we say, ah, I don't think it's going to move at this point, uh, we usually put it for single can sales on site um, because that's a great way for somebody to just try one thing. Sure. And uh, and have it on site as opposed to taking it as part of a mixed pack home. So it's a good way for us to, you know, we try to also pride ourselves on not sending beer back to distributors or brewers if we can at all help it. Because, again, that's money out of their pocket. So if we can figure out a way to um, keep it fresh, make it so that the beer hasn't fallen off yet and still get it in people's hands, it's, it's a win for all of us. My my girlfriend, Linda, who you've met, um, she had mentioned to me a while ago, since I'm in the process of a move, she, I said, I'm going to go to Orange and Brew. She said, you know, you probably should drink what you have in your refrigerators because I have like four. And she said, you should drink what you have in your refrigerator so we don't have to move so much when we move. So I had four beers one day and five the next, including like a an 11 and two eight and a halfs. And I said, okay, that was a mistake. But, but, but I looked in my refrigerator today and I had three cans of Miller Lite the Miller Lite twist off cans, and I looked at the date, and they were May sixteenth, twenty sixteen. Um, so I obviously bought those for people, and thinking that not everybody's going to like the beer I have, so they'll drink Miller Lite, and they never did. So I tasted it; it tasted okay, but then I poured the rest down the drain, um, which was which was interesting. And I think I even have more in there. I know I've got some Stellas from twenty seventeen, and some other things like that. But the funny thing is what. I was in I was in Germany in 2018 and I asked them how long some of their beers um, and I was at Vistafoner brewing in in Freising, Germany. I asked them I go how long do your beers last once you bottle them or can them or whatever. Vistafoner usually bottles their beers. He said if you taste it a year from today it'll be the same. He goes, we might be able to tell the difference, but you won't. I go, how about two years? He goes, you might be able to tell. But so they're saying that some of their stuff, which are all lagers, basically, that they'll last for a while. But you don't have that capability. You don't have that. I mean, so many more people are making lagers nowadays. I mean, I know you have Dovetail, which I had finally went to a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to get the guys from Dovetail on because their beers are amazing. they just tremendous beers. I don't. I don't know how much they probably don't last long on your shelves because people that are in our area probably don't go to Dovetail all that often. And um, but certain beers just um, I enjoy the hell out of them. But I I like keeping a couple. It's like I'll I'll go to your place. I'll I'll get a four pack and I'll put two in my fridge and two in a garage and I'll leave them there for a while. And as long as they're stouts and not lag, I got yelled at by uh, Jude from Hot Butcher. He goes, you probably should drink our beer sooner. He didn't yell at me. He goes, you probably should drink our beer a little bit sooner than six months. I said, I know, but how much beer can you possibly drink in one sitting? Um, It's a fun time. It's a fun time with beer. Sorry, I'm rambling. But again, I finished this one. So I I knew I was going to ramble just a little bit. So, but... It's it's the dove the loggers that have been coming across the dovetail the goldfinger um, 
did it surprise you because now you get into craft beer did it surprise you that all these other people are starting to make, i mean dovetails made them all the time uh tom over at i tried his bohemian pilsner the other day he hasn't canned that yet but uh that was amazing an amazing beer has it surprised you that when we see ipas and all the stouts and all the other things that now all of a sudden there's a lot of different breweries that are making lagers did that surprise you as a guy that's in the business no, uh, because the only thing that would surprise me is if things didn't change at this point. Okay. Um, is it a surprise it's lager? Maybe. I mean, the joke every year when we see these articles, when people talk to the experts about what's the next big thing this year, I think for the past five years, they've been saying lagers. I think we're finally there. Have they really? Um, <laughs> but I don't know. So we like to call it in our shop. I mean, this is a, a huge testament uh, to, to Tom uh, at Goldfinger, but we call it the Goldfinger effect. So, okay. so many people in Downers Grove are now familiar with their beer that they come in, if they come in by us, they're like, hey, what do you have that's like that? So now we can point to the dovetails. We've always done really well with dovetail. Um, there's a couple of beers from uh, Old Irving, like Della is a good option. Pollyanna's got Poly Pills. Light Thinking has won awards. Um, Hopewell does great stuff. And I don't mean to leave anybody out. I know there's a lot of good sure. brewers, but there's um, those are a couple of examples of the ones that I think... Um, people really come out and seek out and they make them all the time. Like that's the other thing is you don't see, um, there's a lot of them that just get made once a year. Yeah. Um, but light thinking is available year round. Uh, Della is for the most part available year round. You are always going to find a dovetail Vienna, Hellas, uh, Hefeweizen, probably yep. a lager on our shelf. They're always going to be there and people love them. Like it's just a good standby um craft beer people like us like them and then people that aren't so much in the craft also really enjoy them so they're gonna I have those out of your fridge before the miller light which they should yeah they and i had told the story to tom the sec the first time i had met tom over at uh, goldfinger i had told him i said you're gonna be fine he said what are you talking about i said you see that table over there there's four guys and i said i'm 64 i said there's four guys over there that are 70 they're all drinking your beer. I said, if you can get them in your place, I said, you're going to be fine because the younger people and the other people that love craft beer are going to be here anyway. I said, if you can get the older people who like lagers, and I've talked to a couple other people and they say, well, take me to a place I don't like craft beer. I said, cool. You want a Hellas or a Hefeweizen or something like that, and Goldfinger would be perfect for that. And like I said, when I went to Dovetail, I could not believe how great their beers were. And um, they had a great thing last week where they had a smoke day, 420. Um, so they had uh, they smoked a lot, their Roush beer and a couple other beers, and they smoked their Hellas and a couple others. Uh, it would have been great to get on up there. Two more questions before I let you go. Um, Hot Butcher, I mentioned him. Uh, those guys are still working on getting their place up and going uh, where Half Acre was. Has it slowed down? Uh, because I know every Thursday – it was crazy. I'd walk into your place on a Thursday afternoon and you'd have bags all over the place because uh, people were all trying to get their, their online orders in for their hot butcher. Uh, has it slowed down or is it still when they come out and they announce it every week? They always let you know a week ahead of time what's coming out. Are, they, are people still looking for the tavern cut and all the other kind? I lost you. How about now? I got you. I'm sorry. I don't mind your butt. My earbuds. Okay. Um, I think a lot, we just talked about like a lot of to go stuff has slowed down for sure. 
Um, that it, you know, but when Hot Butcher comes out, we have people coming in immediately. It's not the online stuff, so it doesn't look as obvious as it used to when people weren't coming into the store and we had bad sure. place. Um, but no, they're still super popular. People that love the hazies uh, come in for that religiously every week. Um, they haven't done a lager in a while. I wish they would do a lager. Justin does some amazing lagers. The stouts are always super popular. Uh, it, it's just that they've been one of the breweries that have defied, I think, a lot of the conventions about craft beer. Like you, we see a lot of breweries cyclical, right? Some of the more popular ones 10 years ago, we don't hear from as much anymore. They have been and not to say other breweries aren't too, but they've been very smart and strategic about how they, they get their beer out in the market, how they get it into other markets. And I think they're just, they were very patient about the tap room. I think once they get that open and once they wrap up production that you'll start to see it in some other States potentially. Um, and, and they will keep that level of what they distribute in our market at just the right amount for people to still have to go seek it out a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, it might be gone. It might take a couple of days to sell out. It won't be like an hour like it was during COVID, and nobody could drink anywhere else. But <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll still have demand. And when we put it on draft, those kegs are gone like that. Sure, sure, I can imagine. I know that Mike, Mike chimed in earlier with the Fat Mike Lager when I was talking lagers, and I know that he probably drank half the. Uh, half the half of what you had that night, and I was drinking the more session ale. It says it's a session ale. I don't know. It, it knocked me pretty, knocked me for a loop. I'll tell you that. And the Moore session ale was very, very good. So that's yeah. Moore's. Moore's Brewing is uh, is a black owned brewery. They're one of the newer ones in the area that we were yep. we were pretty happy to pick up. So yeah, it's very similar to Moore Brewing in Villa Park. But right. They're, they're right. Yeah. Moore's stuff. Brewing. It's, it's really it was really good stuff. And I had had their I had had a can of that before. They had a can of their IPA before, but uh, on draft it was really really good at your place that day. Um, with all the other things, obviously you got the outdoor. You're talking about the uh the situation and the tables outside is there anything else you have going on before i let you go uh well i guess the slushy machine will be back sooner rather than later <laughs> that'll be the biggie um you know other than that um we don't, we're, we're looking so here's the one thing that we haven't seen a whole lot of lately is um breweries looking to do tap takeovers before yeah. covid we had a lot of opportunities for people to do that kind of stuff um that's been a, they've been a little uh, less interested in doing that lately, but I, we're going to start to see that now that the weather's warming. So we'll start to do more of those types of events. I know uh, we're going to partner with Bell's next month. They're going to be kind of a beer of the month for us. Um, we're, you know, this isn't necessarily beer related, but we're partnering with a bunch of other uh, restaurants and bars to do a Ukrainian relief uh, event, sure. collecting uh, different supplies to send over there. Those are kind of the biggies. And then uh, you're probably familiar with Grove Fest in June. That's the other yep. big one that we're working on. That is, uh, the I think, the last weekend of June. It's earlier than it was last year. So um, back to kind of our traditional time, but that one is going to be a lot of fun. And we are working on a craft beer event on that Saturday. So actually, I should give you the date. I believe it is June 25th if that's a saturday yes okay. from noon to four so that's going to be a craft beer event it'll be literally right across the street from our shop and then that that whole area shut down there's carnivals there's stuff for kids there's food there's bands it's it's a very it's cool a really nice event 
Very cool. Uh, I'm, well, I'll mention that a few more times as we get closer to it. I know I'm going to I'm going to Boston in a couple of weeks for a beer fest, and uh, I told uh, Tom over at Goldfinger. He told me he goes go see this brewery. He goes Jack's is a place in Boston. He knows the people. He said check them out. So uh, yeah, I, it's like I can't get enough beer fest, and I'm going on the week. I'm I'm gonna miss beer under glass. And I was going to miss- ask, are you going? Nope. Yeah, well, that's the weekend. That's when I'm going. I'm going that weekend because my birthday's on the 15th, so I'm going the 13th, 14th, 15th to Boston uh, for a beer fest. Now so. you're ruining beer under glass. Is a surprise party for you, Fred? Yeah, well, it. you'll have to just have a surprise, and you know, when I get back, maybe, maybe. Eric, you appreciate. You can't get the train station again. Yeah, I know. What are you gonna do? Hey, I'm Eric- gonna just. I want to thank you and Mike uh, for coming out to our event actually a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it at the top, but um, we really appreciate what you guys did for that too and, and supporting it and uh, helping to get the word out. It was a lot of fun. We raised about $1,000 for for that charity. So That's great. Uh, yeah, we had a great for, time. Thank you for yeah. all of that. And you guys, yeah, you all did good work on that keg. It was gone in about two hours. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, anytime there's a keg, Mike's going to drink it. So there's, there's no there's no doubt about that. There he is. There he is. Okay, you didn't drink the whole thing. Don't oh, worry. shucks, guys. Oh, shucks. I <laughs> appreciate it as always. Thank you very Thank much. You I'll see you soon. Appreciate okay. it, guys. Take care. Thanks, Eric. Eric Schmidt from Orange and Brew and is downtown Downers Grove right across from the train station. And they redid the parking lot by the train station. It's really awesome. And I was out there a couple of weeks ago. Me and Mike were out there. Had a great, great time. I do have a, a couple of beer notes and a uh, What's Up Fred's Can. Let me give you the beer notes real quickly. And then uh, a What's Up Fred's Can. The uh, Beer Under Glass, I mentioned it. May 13th at Union Station. I'm going to miss it. I, I It sucks that I'm going to miss it. I wish I would have been there. I've been to Beer Fest at Union Station. They're a lot of fun. Check it out. Skeleton Keys got their grand reopening. I, they, they've opened again, but their grand reopening, where they're going to open the whole place May 12th through the 14th. They're going to have uh, food and music and beer. Their uh, cold, fresh joy, their Hellas-style lager is out there now. They're cranking out all their beers, so they'll be ready for the May. Uh, this is really cool. Brent Benedict works at Noon Whistle. He used to work at the Noon Whistle in Lombard. Now he works at Noon Whistle in Naperville. And he found out he has breast cancer. And he's been going through his chemo and everything else. And the way he found out is his son would jump on him and knee him in the chest. And it was bothering him. And he had it checked out. And it turned out that he had breast cancer. So Brent is doing a beer. Noon Whistle is doing a beer. Brent's been making it. And it's called um, Thanks Cody. It's a Thanks Cody IPA. Noon Whistle is going to have it coming up this Saturday at the Noon Whistle. And um, they're going to have a silent auction. They're going to have gift baskets. A portion of the money will be donated to the Male Breast Cancer Coalition. Very, very cool. Brent's a great, great guy. And speaking of Noon Whistle. One of the guys that got me really into, I loved craft beer. I loved talking about beers. But a guy that got me into it is a comedian named Zane Lamprey. Okay, Zane Lamprey, you can look him up. He did a show at Noon Whistle, and he's coming back to Noon Whistle. uh, Saturday, June 4th, it's called the uh, Lager Than Life, instead of Larger Than Life, Lager Than Life Comedy Tour. 
Um, he did TV shows on the Travel Channel and uh, one of the other channels. I can't remember it right now, but it was called Drinking Made Easy. He did three sheets. He did a book. Uh, I saw him with my nephew. We saw him down uh, downtown. Zane Lamprey, very, very cool. Check it out if you want to go see Zane Lamprey at Noon Whistle in Naperville. It's June 4th. The tickets sold out really quickly last time, so you may be interested to get on out there. I've got a What's Up Fred's can, and we'll do that when we come back after this. Well, maybe it's just because you're ugly. Ugly? <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. Time for What's Up Fred's Can on 1252 Sports Chicago. Okay, I have a nice basement. I'm hoping to have a nice basement at my new place. I will have a nice basement. It'll just take a little while to get it together, put it, put it together, build it, and all that kind of stuff. And I like watching games at home. And people say, why don't you like going to games? Did you see the Yankee game the other day against the Cleveland Guardians? Okay. Fans at baseball games can be real assholes. Okay. And beer and sports is a great thing until you have too much beer. And my brothers and I, my two brothers and my sister Colette, we went to a game years ago. It has to be 10 years ago now. And we were sitting four rows back of the visitor's dugout at um, Guaranteed Rate Field, whatever it was called back then. And late in the game, three younger people, drunk, sat in front of us. And in the eighth inning, they're turning to us, telling us to get up. Stand up. Come on, stand up. There's like 15,000 people there. It's an afternoon game. And I look at them. I go, sit down. Shut up. These aren't your seats. They were very nice. They sat down. They shut up. Um, the fans in New York, fans, it's not only New York. It's fans everywhere. That situation that happened in New York can happen and has happened everywhere in baseball. And I was watching MLB tonight and MLB throughout the day today. Something's got to be done, okay? And I know you can't stop beer sales earlier because that's how – teams make their money, but it's ridiculous. These people get too drunk. First of all, they shouldn't be driving home after all the beers they have at the game. I know here I am after I just drank, but I'm in my basement. Okay. 13.1%, but I finished this, but I'm in my basement. I can't hurt anybody. If I walked into a pole, I might hurt myself, but that's it. It's, it's crazy the way fans think that because you buy a ticket, and tickets are expensive, beers are expensive, you can act the fool. You can't. And somewhere along the line, there's going to be a situation where you got to be taken out. Taken out of the stadium. I don't mean taken out, period. So if you're going to a game and you see people getting too drunk and they're swearing, call security. See if they can come over. Maybe security will actually work for you. I'll be interested to see the next time the Yankees have a big series, how the right field fans are and if there's security out there because it's brutal. And that should not be what leads this leads the sports on a Saturday night. I think it was a Saturday afternoon game. That should not be what leads on a Saturday night. Now, what led it to the, last night with Kyle Schwarber yelling because Angel Hernandez 
called a bad home plate and called bad balls and strikes. Angel Hernandez sucks. He sucked forever. Uh, Steve McMichael called him out years ago when he sang the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field. This Mongo said, don't worry, I'll take care of him. And, you know, Angel Hernandez has been brutal. And if you're going to keep a guy like Angel Hernandez, put him on the bases because he cannot call the home plate. He cannot call balls and strikes. He missed at least six. And if you watch Schwarber, he was saying, you called him on this side and on this side and high and low and for both sides. And the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Craig Council, agreed. He said, yeah. He goes, it kind of was a big strike zone. Yeah, the Brewers struck out like 12. Yeah. And now I know Josh Hader's good, and the Brewers have a good pitching staff. The final score was one nothing in that game between um, uh, the two teams. So fans, people ask me, why don't you like going to games? No one walks in front of my TV. I can go to the bathroom whenever I want. Beers are a lot cheaper, even expensive ones. They didn't cost me as much as they cost me at the ballpark. So, um, yeah, I am going to a couple games this year. The White Sox have some games coming up I'll be going to. Going to a game on June 24th. We got a Friday where we're going to a, a game against the Orioles. But, uh, yeah, fans got to calm down a little bit. You're Just because you buy a ticket, that doesn't mean you're part of the game. That means you're there to enjoy the game. So hopefully you'll do that. Thanks for jumping on in. Thanks to Eric Schmidt, as always. Thanks to Fat Mike for jumping on in, as he always does. Uh, don't forget, you can watch 1252 for all of our shows. We've got shows throughout the course of the week. Don't forget, early on uh, the weekend, we got Jacob Sharnow. He did a uh, mock draft for the NFL. He'll do another show coming up this weekend, talking about the draft. Harry's overs and unders on Friday night. Fat Mike on Wednesdays. We get a lot of shows here, a lot more shows coming up here on 1252 as we go forward and uh, approach the uh, the middle of the baseball season, the beginning of the football season. We'll have a lot more stuff coming up here on 1252. Make sure you stick with us. And uh, you can always follow us on my Facebook, on uh, Mike's Facebook, and everywhere else. Thanks a lot. All I have to hold up is a, uh, a drink of water because I'm all out of beer. Uh, it was a good game or a good day. Good show, good day, whatever. So anyway, Mike right now is laughing because he thinks I'm hammered. I'm not. I'm just stumbling all over myself on a uh, Monday night, which I like to do. Right here with you guys on Hubes Views and Brews on 1252. See you next week. Thank you for listening to 1252 Sports Chicago.